Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Uh, we are on episode number 41. Um, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by another Dublin and Irish entrepreneur this week. Um, so th- th- today's guest is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, if you don't know, started a sneaker cleaning business as in school during transition year as a transition year project. He says he's never been busier due to COVID. So I'm really looking forward to get into that and how kind of COVID has affected his business by the looks of it in a positive way. Um, his business is the sneak, uh, if I'm correct, sneaker cleaner, um, and it's upcycling sneakers. Um, he has two locations with a drop off in Dublin city center in Grafton Cleaners and an office in South Williams operating as a drop off and pick up locations for the runners. Mr. Owens, who is studying visual communications in college, I hope he still is, or he's probably qualified <laughs> at this stage, but we'll get into that right. Kevin Owens, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thanks very much. I appreciate it, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling out here. I'm over in Verona at the moment, taking in the holidays. So I'm chilling out in the, in the nice heat. Lovely, lovely. Well, I hopefully I won't keep you too long. You can get back to your holidays. So, Kevin, if we if we just go to like I do with most of my guests, if we go back to um, childhood and growing up, where did your entrepreneurial book come from? Yeah, well, I suppose there was a bit of history in my uh, in my family in terms of entrepreneurship. My granddad had um had a shop on Tarbert Street and I was running the family um and my granny's side as well had a, a, a series of shops as well around Dublin so there was a bit of a bit of a history in the family there and then I skipped the generation uh, I think I got the bug back as well so I think that's where it came from great and Kevin were you like I know transition year came up with this idea is but where did the idea for the business come up or just like tell us a little bit about it yeah, so basically um, in fourth year, I noticed that there was a lot of boys uh, queuing out for runners, queuing out for the Yeezys in particular. They would literally camp out um, on on, um, on Henry Street and just pitch a tent and, or have a, have a seat on, on Henry Street and literally just um, wait for the shoes. And I thought this was a bit mad. And I was kind of looking around PE one of the days at rugby training and seeing that uh, the lads were wearing like 150, 200 euro shoes because that's the going price for runners these days, you know yourself. And uh, I thought this was a bit crazy that they would literally buy their shoes new and within three or four weeks, they'd be destroyed and they'd be running around in really, really manky looking shoes. So um, I basically started off cleaning one of the lads' shoes. I sat beside me a master class and had no idea how to clean shoes. I had a bit of background in, uh, in doing ads and doing uh, social media. And I had a camera and stuff, which helped me a lot uh, in terms of making it look uh, professional before it actually was. Um, and that helped me a lot uh, um, with the professionalism so, um, side of it, like, you know. So did you just like start cleaning one set of runners and then more lads kept coming to your guys or what happened? Yeah, so I cleaned literally the fellow maths class and then I put up the before and afters on that on the Instagram page. And then uh, I did like th- another two or three um, from Belvedere and then... I started uh, contacting social media influencers and um, I was kind of pushing that I was a young flit in school trying to 
do the business and then James Kavanagh hopped on board because he really liked uh, a lot of influencers actually jumped on board really liking the young hustle and stuff like that so that gave me a huge lift up at the very start and just I suppose on that Kev before we get into I suppose the nooks and crannies of the business but like I'm a big believer in networking and reaching out to people and by the sounds of what you did there you were reaching out to influencers and just saying listen here's what I can offer how powerful has that been for you Oh, no, networking is everything, especially when you're young and having a tool that you can reach out to people with uh, as a valuable tool. So then you're not just sapping their time, you're actually giving something back to them, which of value uh, is key. And I did that with, that's how I got introduced with Jamie Weiss, I, um, who, uh, who was a bit of a mentor there to me for the first year and a half of school. And uh, I literally met him cleaning his shoes and then uh, he chats me a little bit about business. And then afterwards, I helped him with video. So it's all about kind of having that key, the key valuable tool, which is kind of unique um, that you can help people out with, especially these lads that have very little time. And uh, it, it's handy if it's a skill that saves them time, you know? Yeah, great. Jamie's been an next guest on the podcast. Um, I suppose, Kevin, when you were doing all that outreach to influencers, when did it flip and I suppose really become a business and people were like contacting you and I suppose you got an influx of contact? Yeah, so literally within the first month, we had James Kavanagh on board and uh, it was literally, he did a, a set of three stories uh, in a row and uh, which was completely off his own back. Um, and we grew by a thousand followers and we had a hundred messages overnight. Wow. Um, now, now 90% of those uh, came to nothing because once people realized it was a young player arriving up, meeting you on Grafton Street with your school uniform on and throwing them in their school bag, it's a whole different story because you're not going to hand over your 600 euro pair of Gucci's to a young fella on the street, like you know. Uh, so that was an issue at the very start, and also um, the kind of way I I tackled that was to kind of build up that trust was to have them pay after the service was finished. So um, I would take the shoes off and clean them, and then only when I give them back and they're happy with them, then I get the cash. So at least they had something um, like something to hold on to if they if you get me. Yeah, and Kevin, did it like, am I right in saying what you're saying? Did it start out as a hobby or was it always a plan to grow it to some sort of business? Uh, the plan was always to grow it into a business and kind of take my hands off it, to be honest with you. Um, like it's only after cleaning six and 700 pairs of shoes myself, there's only a certain amount of shoes you can actually clean until you actually get sick of cleaning shoes, like, you know. Um, and uh, at the moment, we've kind of reached that point, so... And we reached that point kind of at the start of this year and that's when things started to scale up and I kind of started managing it from uh, over a kind of facilitator point of view and um, getting guys in to clean. Um, And I did that very, uh, I think I did that kind of smartly being in college. I had it all as instead of having fixed costs, having set wages, I had variable costs for the guys. So basically any time a pair of shoes came in, they would get paid per piece instead of getting paid a wage. Which was a well, which was really handy because if no pairs came in, uh, they wouldn't have any work and they wouldn't have to come in, like you know, instead of them just getting paid to sit there and do nothing. And Kev, so talk to me if we just go back a touch, talk to me. You're meeting people on Grafton Street, you're in your school uniform, you're picking up pairs of expensive pairs of runners that people want to get cleaned and repurposed so they get more mileage out of them. I suppose was your next, I need a location, I need another member of the team. How did that come about? Well, the, to be honest with you, um, 
I wasn't like I always thought I needed a location, but I never thought I would, I would have the um the amount of pairs coming through uh, to actually fund that location. Um, and then when COVID came, it was an absolute flattener, killed the business on his, on its feet because uh, at that stage we were doing uh, just collections on the street and in person meetups. And then when COVID came, it kind of took a deadener, and it took me about three or four months to kind of figure it out. It took uh, my friend Gareth Flower. Uh, I was on the calls with him, and he was like, "Geez, would you not just uh, set up a website and get payments through there, and then that would reduce the cash?" And then um, when I got that introduced, and when I got Grafted Cleaners, which is a level five laundry service, so they were able to operate throughout level five, and it really kicked off then because it allowed people to fill something with their day so they just booked online and then they actually got to walk down the street with purpose and drop it in somewhere like you know gave some people something to do and kev like talk to me about like if, if someone's listening to this that maybe isn't into the sneaker culture but like what's the benefit for someone with a pair of shoes or runners that like get some cleaned is there a big environment side of things or yeah well like it stops the pair going in the bin um, and basically we upcycle and restore runners so uh, we did a pop-up there in Brown Thomas for six weeks. And one of the key takeaways I got from it was actually that people were like, oh my God, I can, I can grab these runners that I had at the bottom of their wardrobe here for six months that I was never going to wear again, grab them and actually repurpose them and uh, make them look new again. Uh, and often these are the runners that people have created so much memories in them. They have so many stories, got to do with these runners. And they, they just, if they just went to the bin, they would have forgot about the, the memories and the stories. But now that they've repurposed them and made them look new again, they can um, they can have the old story, but they can always create new memories with them shoes as well. It's it's so funny. I think clothes and shoes, there's so much personal attachment to them from experiences or events or whatever's happened in your life with a pair of runners or clothes. And so, Kevin, talk to me like you're studying in college, you're growing a business, COVID happens. How did you adapt? So COVID... Uh, as I said, it hit me pretty hard. I was, um, it was actually funny at the point of COVID. I was literally about to, I was in a PLC at the time. I was literally about to drop out of it uh, just because of a mixture of sneaker cleaner and other video f- photo work I was doing. Uh, I was absolutely uh, flat out. And then uh, when COVID hit, um, all that work got dropped. So I, uh, I thought, geez, I might as well make up the, the four or five weeks that I missed in college and just finish at the PLC. So I cut got the head down, did that. And then when summer came along, I kind of was looking around seeing what else I could do. And I uh, got chatting to Gareth and he kind of uh, motivated me to, to kind of rethink sneaker cleaner. And um, thank God I did because it really took off since then. And Kev, talk to me just through the process. If I have a pair of runners and I want to get them to you and like, what's the turnaround time and what does that look like? So depending on the shoe, the turnaround time varies because um, some and the service as well. So if you get a more intensive service, it takes a bit longer to clean up uh, and do the extra the additional service on it. But basically how it works is uh, ideally, this is the ideal situation now, um, you message us on Instagram um, with a pair of shoes, with the, the photo or videos of a pair of shoes. We kind of assess it then, see what we can and can't do to the pair because um, some of the times stains and marks just don't come out of shoes depending on how long uh, the stain's been in there or just what the stain is and so it's very important to set the customer's expectations in terms of that and being like okay so if you do pay your 35 euro here we're going to get 90 percent of the stuff out of it but 
yeah, you've been wearing it for two years. We're not going to get everything and it's not going to look like a brand new pair of shoes when they come back. Um, and that's very important because if we set them expectations right, um, that reduces the complaints a lot more um, because people aren't expecting their shoes to come back like a brand new pair of Air Force One sparkly. And they're expecting them to come back looking really well, but all them, all them memorable stains and marks are still there, you know, and that we can't get out. So uh, once we set them expectations, guy, uh, the customers usually go through the website. Um, at the moment, we don't do any cash just because um, just COVID and stuff like that. And um, the way our system works is that we generally don't see the customer or the shoes until they're actually in our offices. Um, because we have our website, which all the payment comes through. And then we have our drop-off location, which is Grafton Cleaners on South William Street. Um, and then only then... Uh, when Grafts and Cleaners give us a text, we like order number 937 has come in the door. Um, one of the team members goes down and collects that, that order and then brings it up and cleans it. Um, and they, they do the check the website, see what order uh, was placed and what services the shoe needs. Um, and then again, with the setting their customer expectations, we send video messages and we call the customers, each customer. That adds an extra nice bit of bespoke and kind of personalized touch to the service, especially because our service is quite a premium price compared to all the rest of them. So we try and have the customer involved in the process as much as possible. Um, and after that, after we clean up the shoes, we drop them back down in our, in our cardboard boxes and um, present them like it's a brand new pair of shoes. Brilliant. I love it. There's one thing there just to highlight. I, I think that word's great, expectations. It's one thing. I do obviously corporate wellness, but when I'm talking to any of our clients, it's one of the questions I'd always ask is what are your expectations? Because then you get extreme clarity on what they expect to happen. Um, just it's Kev, it seems really positive and everything seems like it's gone an up trajectory. Is there anything like, have you found, is it always been positive? Or has there been any negatives? Is there anything you don't like about the business or you've learned so far? A lot of the, at the start, this is actually kind of a funny uh, change that I've noticed over the past year or two. So at the start, I used to promote sneaker cleaner a lot um, by going into, into Foot Locker, going into JD or Lifestyle Sports and uh, dropping in flyers and kind of chatting to the staff. So then if the staff had people coming in and be like, oh, do you know how to clean these? They'd be like, oh no, there's a, there's a fellow sneaker cleaner that does it. Um, so that's what I did at the very start. And Obviously, at the very start, I was young for going in my uniform, so they didn't really uh, think much of it. And it was the same when I was uh, interacting with all, a lot of kind of the community members, which we part of like the Sneakerhead Ireland's Facebook page and all these other kind of sneakerhead groups. And um, they just kind of discarded it at the very start. And I noticed uh, one of my competitors was seemed to get on a lot better with the community. Um, and I was always puzzled by that, being like, what... Uh, like what's the difference between me and him? Maybe he knows a few more boys in there or whatever. Um, and then when I put up the advertisement for the job there uh, a few weeks ago, I whacked it into all the Facebook groups and I got a great, uh, great response from it because lads have seen the success over the past few years and uh, have seen like that it's consistent brand and consistently in there trying to get the work in, like, you know. And Kev, was it, is it hard to build a team and I suppose when you were at the start doing all of the hands-on work yourself was it hard to train staff members up or what was that was that a challenge yeah like we kind of see it as more like a, as an apprenticeship kind of idea so um like I'm training a guy up now um, and it'd be nearly two or three months worth of kind of 
you give him the bulk idea of how to do it and then you kind of let him off go on his own for a little bit and make the mistakes himself like we have a we have a little pot of like a couple of grand just uh for mistakes and shoes that are destroyed and stuff and um like that's all part of the learning process so you just kind of have to take it in your stride and, and a lot of the time the customers are are really happy when they send in their their two-year-old shoes absolutely beat up and then they get a brand new paid for a pair of shoes back like you know so it's kind of a win-win and um, because we get to train up the staff and allow them to make the mistakes and the, sh- and the customer gets a brand new pair of shoes um but yeah so you, you let them make the mistakes and then and then the next few weeks is just kind of uh, looking over them and making sure that the quality is up to scratch. That's a big one. You just have to make sure that you drill in the quality control. And um, obviously, as a as a founder, your your staff are never going to have the same motivation, the same quality control, and the same um, ambition for the project. But um, that's just part of your role as a founder to uh, try and instill that ambition, that quality control. Yeah, and like Kev, talk to me about like I've seen you on telly recently on the on post advertisement. We've seen the pop up in Brown Thomas. How I how has growth gone for you, or what does that look like going forward? Yeah, so like um, it all started with the Irish Times. So basically, we had a uh, we're operating out of Jamie White's building, uh, which is really nice, and that's based on Harcourt Street, and we have uh, at the very start. We had um, one of the one of the windows in the front of the building on the ground floor. We use as like our pop up. Um, so basically, we had one of the guys cleaning in there uh, five days a week in the window. And people, this is at the height of COVID, so people are doing their morning uh, their morning coffees and their lunch coffees and their evening coffees, just strolling around the place trying to get out of the house. And it was something really unique for people to look at and a, quite a strange sight to see. Uh, at the at the depth of COVID and something really new, it's almost like a little flower poking its head out, like you know something really new appearing on the street. And uh, uh, we had two photographers down, one was from the Irish Times, well, one was a freelancer, and um, the Irish Times took the photo uh, just as a really unique, and uh, not for the story, just as a really unique photo. Um, and then we got a call from a journalist as well, uh, looking to accompany the photo with a with an article which was really nice so it was really organic and they pushed it really hard so like we were trending on google for that day number two on the search and uh it was really cool because because it was so organic the irish times pushed it really hard yeah no that's brilliant and when it comes to a customer kev is it i'm gonna work with you once you did one pair of shoes or am i always going to be repeat customer is that the goal the goal is obviously repeat, repeat customers and the way you retain them or repeat customers, make sure you do a good job, you know, and make sure they have a good experience because there's 10 other shoe cleaners in Dublin at the moment. And oh, wow. especially when, uh, like, well, like that's just, uh, like I'm sure there's a lot more um, because it seems to be quite th- two groups of shoe cleaners. There's the kind of lads that are working out of, their, out of their garage, which I was at the start. And then you have more established lads as well. So you have like a lot of... Uh, a lot of cobblers actually use it as a side service because they'd be so familiar with shoes. They uh, All they have to do is just get a steamer in. A lot of them use steam and just get the brushes in because they'd be so familiar with, with shoes themselves that they know exactly how to do it. And they've been doing it for years. They just never offered it as a service. Um, I was talking to uh, the guy that runs uh, Isaac Jackman's and he was saying, yeah, like at the during COVID, 
Um, it's quite obvious, but it's actually kind of smart at the same time. So uh, obviously during COVID, no one was using their dress shoes and all his business was going down. So he started offering the, the shoe cleaning because everyone was wearing their casual runners and their leisure wear. And uh, now he's over owner runners, you know? So he went from dress shoes to, to runners. And it just makes so much sense. Um, yeah, like that's like the, what was the question there? The question was just like, um, well, I suppose I just want to transition if I can. How you're talking about competitors, I wouldn't add the aspect that there's 10 other, or you say multiple more shoe cleaners, sneaker cleaners across Dublin and Ireland. How has it been with competitors? Like in my industry, in the fitness, when I was growing up, it was so no one wanted to tell you anything. Everyone was jealous. They didn't want to see you doing X, Y, and Z, especially when I was working with a corporate client. I'd be getting a lot of hate and going, how did that, how did Tom get in with them? How did he do that? And I just wanted to know what's that being like or what that challenge has been like to you in business. The older, the guy, the cobblers are really, uh, really inviting and they'd be really helpful with their knowledge, especially Isaac. He's been absolutely gents and he has a huge array of laces in his shop. And every now and again, when a pair of uh, like a unique shoe comes in and I don't have the laces to go along with it, I'll just run down and match it one of his laces. And he's an absolute gent when it comes to that. Um, but like with kind of the younger competition, there's been one or two hostile calls that I've got kind of prime from information and stuff like that. Um, and I know myself um, with another, like I hold my hands up and say with like uh, another Instagram page, like I was quite hostile as well for like two or three weeks. Like I had, used to have the notifications on Fear Man's page and I used to, um, I used to comment on every single post within two minutes um, being like, oh, great pair or whatever, or clean looks great. And then whenever someone could see the post, I'd be right underneath it. And, and then he dropped me a message one of the days and he's like, here, look, what are you at? And I actually started getting a real sour taste in my mouth after doing it. And it just didn't really go by my own kind of standards of what I would expect myself to do as a person. So uh, I just, I stopped doing that very quickly because um, it just didn't feel right. And I was just, it was just kind of a nasty thing to do. Um, but um, like for myself, like I'm very open with information. Uh, like if someone asked me, uh, oh, like in Brown, how much got that the whole time? Like, how would I actually clean this leather? I would tell them straight up what we use and how we do it and exactly uh, how to do it. Um, because at the end of the day, like they can do it themselves and they'd be like, geez, the fellow was real sound. He, he actually gave me the information. Uh, like he could have not given the information and got me to pay for it, but he actually did. And it actually came out really well. And then in two months time, their shoes are going to get scuffed up again. And maybe in a way that they can't clean the shoes and they'd be like, geez, your man was sound there in Brown Thomas. So I'll drop these into him and maybe he can get the job done because I can't this time. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you mentioned Brown Thomas there. I suppose any listeners that wouldn't know it, it's probably one of Dublin's or Ireland's longest and most established, um, clothing stores talk to us how did that pop-up came about yeah so it was uh they were running an exhibition called create which was focused on small irish designers with a sustainability street to them um, and i got an email one of the days saying that they uh seen me in the irish times and they've seen a few other bits that i've been doing and uh they're inviting me to apply for um, for the 
for the exhibition so i did and i did an interview and kind of showing them around what we do and then uh they got an email back saying that they'd love for me to be in the in the uh, exhibition which was amazing so it was quite a uh interesting process to go through because um i had to formalize a fair few bits like get the public liability insurance and stuff like that um and made me formalize the company a lot more than I actually was uh, up until that point and uh, with that formalization it's great because you can kind of do a lot more with it and was that great for football eyes on you social media people maybe hearing about your business for the first time yeah well, like to be fair um like everyone that i kind of got chatting to they were like oh jeez there's kevin your man from sneaker trainer like you knew like they knew me before i got to introduce myself like you know or jeez i heard you there in ray darcy or the moncrief show or whatever so everyone kind of had had heard of it but then it only jogged their memory when they seen me uh which was kind of nice to see um but yeah it was great because our exhibition so basically we had a before and after shoe on the shelves and then um on third on um thursday evening saturday and sunday i was actually in store cleaning shoes um and that helped a lot because people would look at the before and after shoe and then look behind them and actually see me doing them uh, and then that that gave me a great opportunity to and uh, teach them how to clean their shoes and kind of like a lot of the time people are just pointing out their own shoes and be like can you clean them and then i would talk them through how you clean it and if we can do it and if we cannot and um, so it was really nice to actually build the relationships in person like that and kev like what's next what's next for yourself and sneaker cleaner what what way do you see the business going yeah so i employed a guy called cameron uh sorry i didn't employ i kind of gave the the role kind of manager to to cameron there actually over this week and starting to train him up um because i'm heading back into on campus co- uh, college there now in the next few weeks uh so with that i won't have as much time to be in there kind of hands-on so uh i've handed the role over to him and he's basically going to manage sneaker cleaner i gave him a good few screening processes and i'm happy enough that he he'll be able to take over the reins uh, confidently um so he's going to do that for me and look after for me and I'm going to check in and every now and again. But I'm happy enough that I can just kind of take my hands off, keep an eye on it, but take my hands off because I trust him enough. Um, and it's also kind of interesting to see what a fresh pair of eyes does for the company as well because I've been, I've been running it for since 2017, four years now. And um, I think the fresh pair of eyes really does add a, add a benefit to it because I did that with the social media stuff as well. I got a a guy uh, in called Paddy, he runs Dublin Streetwear um, and he's a really cool content creator and I got him in to kind of get a fresh, fresh pair of eyes on the social media side of things and it looks great, you know, your man's a savage. Um, so hopefully that does the same in terms of the processes that go into Sneak Cleaner and just the kind of way he's going to run it. Um, and with that, with Sneak Cleaner kind of, um, um, kind of looking after itself then, I actually got a job at Red Bull being a student brand ambassador. Um, so that will uh, give me a cool kind of uh, thing to do in college and a cool, nice little job to t- help me tip along. And Kev, was it always, was there ever a part of you to think about dropping out or was college always something you wanted to complete or keep sneaker cleaner going on the side? Uh, yeah, so I was going to drop out there uh, out of PLC, but um once I kind of saw myself and um, sorry, I always, I always thought uh, ever since the leaving cert that 
I'd be all right. I, I kind of had the faith in myself that I'd be all right, even if I didn't get the college course, that I'd be able to look after myself, be able to grow something myself. I kind of had that, um, that uh, belief myself. Um, so to be honest with you, the, doing the college course is more of a socialising tool, to be honest with you, and kind of meeting new people. And Because I think it'd be such a shame to miss out the, the kind of these years of 20, 20, 21 um, to, to work on a business and work on your own. Because you know yourself, being an entrepreneur is really isolating and you don't have the same social um, like interactions that you would have uh, if you were in college or buzzing around the campus. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the things I don't think enough people talk about is the loneliness. And a lot of the times I'm conscious of explaining some of the stuff we do in the business and stuff like that because I don't people will understand it. Um, yeah, because one, one of the actual interesting things why um, one of the um, staff, the one of the team members left there was because she was in uh, in the office on her own the whole time because the way it kind of works is like um, the guys who work in kind of maybe are, uh, um, an extra job on the side as well just to make sure they keep tipping over. So the schedules kind of shift every now and again. So it'd be quite rare that the two team members would be in at the same time because one, because they don't really need it, but two, because they would have other stuff going on. So that means whenever they are in for their part-time or full-time work, that they'd be in on their own. And that's quite a, uh, a new experience for someone that's used to working in a bar or in a shop uh, to literally go into an office and clean shoes for six or seven or eight hours a day and then go home and just have talk to nobody. Because you know yourself, like um, some of the times I go out to Wellburger and just the only people I'll chat to during the day is the people in Wellburger saying what, what order I want. And that's, that's kind of reality of it, like, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I suppose... Kev, if there's just, I'm going to fire some questions. I probably fire a lot of my guests. Um, I suppose, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten so far? I know your journey's fresh enough, but there's nothing that stands out. Um, to be honest with you, I always try and do the 1% extra each day, even if that's doing the cold shower or, I don't know, like, um, I, was, I was listening to the um, compounding effect on Audible because as a dyslexic myself, uh, I know we have that in common. Um, I wouldn't be a fan of reading. And I know the reading's a huge kind of entrepreneurial thing to do. So uh, and I, I saw the lads, like um, I'd be good friends with the guys in Graft and Digital and Thomas, and they'd be reading the whole time. And they'd be getting, I could see them getting smarter, especially Thomas. You can see him getting smarter over the six months that he's been reading. And then you're just kind of being left behind. So I've been like, I listened to the the classic shoe dog there on the plane. And um, I was listening to a bit of the compound effect and even managing just uh, keeping track of all the finances. I just kind of do that each day as well. Just, just little things like, you know. Yeah. And Kev, do you, do you see other businesses, other ventures down the line future, or is it just sneaker that's going to be your baby? No, I definitely see uh, other things coming down the line. Like I'm going to enjoy my time in college now and kind of take a step back while letting senior kind of tip along itself. Um, but definitely, um, I, I think there'll be bigger, brighter things in the future. And uh, Kev, just a question I kind of ask is, when it comes to regrets, just what's your thought process on regrets? 
Yeah, like, uh, of course, there's a few, there's been a, a lot of times that you'd be in the shower and you'd be in a heap, like, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, shit, it's completely hit the fan. But then you wake up the next morning and you just kind of automatically get out of bed and you walk down the stairs. And I always catch myself walking down the stairs, be like, why am I walking down the stairs? Why, like, it's, I think it's just kind of, if you end up starting your own business, you just kind of naturally, like, um, dodge the punches and get beat up but but you, you always stand back up eventually like you know um so it's just, um i don't know it's just kind of a ingrained thing and uh, within the the psyche i think it's just you get punched you kind of you feel shit for a day you eat a load of food you binge out and then you just kind of get back up the next day or two and go at it again and kev you mentioned dyslexia there i suppose I'd love to know when did you find out what was that experience like and how did you respond to it? Yeah. So like I got a, I actually went to dyslexia school called Catherine McCauley's uh, in Bagus street. Uh, and I moved from Scholastum, which was in Rohini to Bagus street, uh, going into fourth class. So I got, I got done fairly early. Like I know lads and they like, they only got diagnosed there last year. And they're in like second year college, like, which is mad. Um, but like I was like, it was amazing school kind of uh, like I was actually diagnosed severely dyslexic. And like I was at like, I think I was age 12 and I had the reading ability of like a six or seven year old, like, you know, because um, I, I actually looked at the, the psychology report there and uh, because I had to hand it in for getting the help in college. And I was given a read. I was like, geez, I didn't think I was that bad. Like, you know, um, but uh yeah, Catherine McCauley's is amazing. And then um, I was getting the supports in the junior cert and leaving cert as well um, and doing the SEN classes and stuff. Um, but I, like people see it as a negative thing, but and I was listening to your TED Talk as well there um, before I hopped on here. And uh, like, I just um, see it as, geez, I've got a different brain to everyone else. So I can, I can look at things a lot differently than everyone else. And I see that in the way like even on nights out, I'd be like hanging out with the lads and they'd be all doing something the same way. And then I'd be like, oh, geez, but we can get the taxi up this way and then go this way instead. Like, you know, um, a lot of the time it's kind of the worst option, but a lot of the time, sometimes it's actually a really good idea as well. Um, so like, I just kind of, I, I've always seen it as a positive thing. Well, a lot of the time, uh, sometimes it gets frustrating as well when you can't spell a simple word or you get caught out because, uh, I don't know, you're uh, you're trying to tour a city and someone's like, oh, where, where are you on the map? And you can't fi- figure it out or st- like little things like that. But it's the same with business. You just kind of roll the punches and you get back up and go it again. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. And Kev, just on, if there's anyone listening that's maybe on the fringes of maybe thinking of starting a business, their own venture, like, is there any advice you'd give them or like what helped you, I suppose, just get into business? I suppose with the, as a young person, as being in college, um, a lot of people want to start their own gig, but they're quite scared to do it. But I just find that quite, uh, it kind of amazes me that people are just kind of scared to start their own thing, especially when they're in college, because at the end, well, I know for myself, I'm kind of in the privileged position that I'm living at home. But at the end of the day, if everything does hit the fan, um, you can always move back. Your parents are going to take you back in, especially when you're so young. So you've literally nothing to lose. Um, like the parents will take you back in if you're in the right position and you haven't burned the bridges um, and they will feed you. So 
you can literally go at it with everything you've got um, and that's the kind of way to look at it so with that in mind you're completely fearless yeah absolutely um, just before I, I I just want to talk to you about failure for a moment um, just get your perspective on it but just before I fire into the questions when, when I mention the word failure to you do you what do you like do you think as a positive as a negative or something that's just another challenge in the road um, like I I wouldn't necessarily say that I've failed at everything it's just kind of it's like I don't know is that the classic uh, one like oh you don't fail you learn <laughs> but like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I failed. I've just made little mistakes along the way, you know? Um, and I've made plenty of mistakes along the way, but has that necessarily failed? No, it's just maybe resulted in you going down a different path, you know? Yeah. Um, so pr- that's probably my, my looking at it like. Yeah, no, it's just, it's sometimes, I think it's what stops people from maybe moving to the next step or next level. It can just hold a lot of people back and, it's interesting when you were talking about social media earlier and it was very interesting to get your perspective on you were putting a lot of effort into that, but then you learned that it was a bad taste in your own mouth. So you took a step back from that. Um, and I suppose just to fire last couple of questions, uh, Kev, at you, if you could have a meal with five people dead or alive, who would be at that table? Um, okay. So the first one, everyone thinks is a bit weird, but I, I really like him, uh, is Michael Jackson. Uh, I know he's dead, but I know he's had a few bits to his name there over the last few years, but I just think the man's a genius. Like, if you ever watched uh, This Is It, the, the the movie about the show that he was going to do, like, the fella's a genius, like, you know, and the shows are unbelievable. It's a bit like Kanye West at the moment, like, everything he's crazy, but, like, at the, at the root of it, he's an absolute genius, like, and he is crazy, but it's just because he wants the thing that he's making to be perfect, you know? Um, so I'd probably do Michael Jackson. Um, Don't worry. Some people have said Hitler for their five people for their lives. So <laughs> it hasn't been That's the worst. That's an interesting one now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'd probably do your man that did the uh, imitation game, you know, the, um, you know, that uh, broke the Enigma code. I think that'd be interesting. Um I'd love to get, at least, see, I, like, I'm just kind of basing off topics here. I'd love to get, get a guy that knows a lot about crypto because I don't know anything about that to learn a bit like that. And then uh, I'd love to get um, someone that's uh, kind of really good at partying as well because I really enjoy partying and just kind of hearing a few stories and that'd be quite funny. I know that. Is that five? Probably not. That's no, four. four. You've won more. Okay. okay. Um, I'd probably just get um, one of the lads as well. Because if I'm if I'm in a room with all these people, I might as well let someone else enjoy and learn from it as well. Brilliant, brilliant. I like it. Um, is there any book recommendations or apps or podcasts or anything that help you daily or you'd advise anyone to get on? Uh, I have the Calendly. Um, this like especially as a young player, you kind of need to look as professional as possible and kind of have your shit together as much as possible. So Calendly is really handy in terms of uh setting up calls with people because you know yourself um if you're trying to set up a call like we did it there uh, if you're trying to set up a call to to do this podcast it was about three or four emails be like can you do thursday at four and it's like oh no i can't can you do wednesday at five um but what canly is like yeah just slot in whenever you think is best for you and uh if it's on there if it's in for me too so uh just work away on that link and then you're real flexible because you can choose whenever you want. And then whenever you choose, it's free for me. So it's great. So basically, Connolly is a 
is an event scheduling system and the interface looks really well as well. Sweet. Any books that's on now? I know you mentioned the compound effect there you're listening to. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, like, I, I wouldn't really listen to books. I'd be big into kind of documentaries on Netflix and stuff. So I know the, the series on Netflix explained is actually really good. Um, so it's 15, it's, it's great for when you're eating lunch because it's uh, all these um, topics explains in 15 minutes or less. So like you have the crypto on that, you have uh, Bitcoin, you have like the royal family. What else have you got? You have like, um, I don't know, you have like basketball, gambling, uh, um, marijuana, all these kind of cool little subjects that you wouldn't really look into too much yourself, but then you learn kind of the basic knowledge of it and it's handy for having conversations with people. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Listen, Kev, we've gone through a load of content there, very, very short, sharp and to the point, which I like, which is great, really concise. Um, where can people stay connected with you and find you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is just uh, Kevin Owens. And then uh, if you want to get me on Instagram, I'm always, always up for a chat. Um, and at the moment, I'm quite free, just about to hit back into college. Uh, so uh, I used to do virtual coffees, but I think it's time now to do uh, in-person coffees again. So I'm well up for that. Uh, I'm vaccinated, so don't be worrying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Instagram is just uh, Ownsy, so O-W-E-N-S-E-Y, um, and that's us on Instagram. Brilliant. Well, listen, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you for your time and your knowledge, and best of luck in the future with all your endeavours. Thank you very much. Cheers, my man. No worries. No worries.